0: All right, this morning, I want you to turn with me to chapter 1 in the book of Luke. I forgot what the title of my sermon is. I think it's the, father, the value of a father, isn't it? Is that what it says in the bulletin? The value of a dad, of a dad okay. All right, and then I was going you know, to say, hey, th- three things that I, I'm excited about this morning, but they are already covered. And one, you know, being married to Jan for 45 years, and that just shows the tolerance that she has uh, to put up with me for 45 years. But the interesting thing is we kind of have a legacy there because both her parents and my parents, both we celebrated both of their 50th. And so, so we, ha- we have to go on to make it to 50, you know. We don't want to break the legacy. And then also the fact that it's Father's Day. All right. If you have your Bibles open or your electronic gadgets turned on, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter one. We'll begin in verse five. Said when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Now. what Luke's doing is he's putting a foundation in here, a historical foundation, that this took place during a king that reigned from 37 B.C. to about 4 B.C. And so that's that time frame that he's talking about, that when this is all unfolding. And it says this about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were righteous in God's eyes, not in their own eyes. They are righteous in God's eyes. How is that possible? Because they were careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. Now, I know that we live in a time of grace, but that's nothing new. From the time man was created, God's grace has always been available. Always. Uh, if not, uh, when the first sin took place, that'd been it. There, it was would have been done. And then we live in in grace, and people think, well, that just means you can do any old thing you want. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that is not true. In fact, in James uh, chapter 1, we find these words, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word of God planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. How many of you know what must means? It means it's optional, right? No, it means that, that you must do it. It's almost an imperative. This is the way that you're going to live a godly life. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, what sets you free? The perfect law. How many of you know that the law that God gave, the Ten Commandments, was perfect? You know what the problem was, don't you? Us, our imperfection. And so, and if you don't believe me, just listen to the teaching of Jesus. He would say uh, that you're not supposed to murder anybody. I mean, the law said that, right? The Ten Commandments said don't murder anybody. But Jesus would say this. If you say reka to your brother, that means if you get angry at them, then you've already committed murder. Now, which one's tougher? See, which one's tougher? And so you can't live up to it on your own strength and and your own ability. It takes the Spirit of God. See, it says, um, look at the perfect law which sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll do what? You will obey me. And so that's the whole idea. There, God has parameters. Yes, he has grace, but he has parameters which we function in. And if we function within those parameters, we'll be blessed by God. Otherwise, we come up short of of his blessings, try to do it in our own strength. And so what happened here with Elizabeth and Zachariah, it says they were righteous in God's eyes because they were careful to obey all God's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. It wasn't because they weren't righteous See, there was something else that God had in mind here. They didn't understand what it was. How many of you understand God's perfect plan for your life? No takers? No. It's it's sometimes hard to figure out, isn't it? And so what we have to do in the midst of trying to figure it out is just be faithful. Continue to walk in obedience to God. And so, yeah, I'm sure... I'm sure that many tears were shed by Elizabeth when she could not conceive of a child. How many of you know that was a bigger deal then than it is today? And to have a male child was even the ultimate. But she couldn't have one. And now it says, and they were both very old. How old were they? I don't have the faintest idea. It just says they were very old, and very old, I'm assuming, at this point, means that they couldn't conceive and have a child, all right? And so that's our situation. So it says, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. How many of you know that there were 24 orders of priests, and what they did is they rotated around, and they served in the temple two weeks at a time. And so this is their two-week duty, and they're on on duty, and Zechariah gets chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary. Do you know this? They were only chosen one time in their lifetime to serve in the temple. One time in their whole lifetime. And so we read this like, oh, no big deal. It's a real big deal because he's only going to do it that one time in his lifetime to go into the holy place, not the holy of holies, Only the high priest could go there, but into the holy place. And so there he is. He's burning incense. And while he's burning incense, there's a great crowd outside, and they're praying. So while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. And what happens with Zechariah? He gets fearful. He gets scared. Probably the only time he'd ever seen an angel. And so he's going to get scared. And what's Zachariah doing? He's just going about life. He's just going about life. How many of you know that in the midst of life, God can visit us? And he can do it any way he wants. He can do it through an angel He can do it through a vision, through a dream, through people, through circumstances, but he will visit us in the midst of life. And the angel says to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. I wonder, when did God hear that prayer? Do you think he was still praying that prayer? From the way he responds, I'm going to say no. He'd given up a long time ago. But see, God remembers, doesn't he? He remembered what they prayed. He remembered the passion that they had in their heart to have a child. God does stuff on his timetable. How many of you in here like the timetable that God has all the time? No, we don't. And so they'd given up, but he says, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you're going to name him John. Now, we're going to find out later on, people are going to go, John? What? What? Because that wasn't what they did. They usually named their kids uh, after themselves and things like that. And he says, and your wife's going to ha- have a son. His name's going to be John. Now listen to this. You will have great joy and gladness. Now I want to tell you something. It would have to be God... If he tapped Jan on the shoulder or me on the shoulder and said, "You're going to have a son." Cuz no way do I want to deal with a baby. <laughs> okay, I rest my case. No way as you're older, you you just you have to have kids when you're young. You do. You get older, you're glad when they leave (laughs) with your kids. You know, you just, because, this life has changed. He says, and you're going to have great joy and gladness. And look at this, many will rejoice at his birth. Now look at what it's going to tell about this boy that's going to be born. It's going to say seven things about this boy. First is, he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He's going to be great in the eyes of the Lord. This is before this young boy's even born. It's being pronounced over him. And greatness for this young boy means that he can never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. See, that's not true for everyone, but it's true for this boy. And here's what we gotta understand God has different things that He puts on different people's lives that we may not agree with. Well, what's the matter with them? Well, maybe that's part of their calling. And you gotta understand that that the calling on each of us is different and the stipulations that God may put on a person can vary. And so for this particular young boy, he could not have alcohol. That's it. The second thing is he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before his birth or even at his birth. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the time of his birth. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. And how many of you know, know that that's what needed to happen? i want to ask you a serious question here. Do we need that kind of situation in America today? Do we? Do you believe that God can raise up people like that? Do you believe those people can be sitting in this room? Do you believe that you could have the same kind of call in that situation that that John the Baptist had? Do you? Wait a minute now. We were tracking along there real nice (laughs) until it got real personal and said, Are you that person? But I'm going to tell you, you are those individuals. Hillary Clinton, if she's elected, will not do it. Donald Trump, if he's elected, will not do it. It's going to take people like us to do it. How many of you really believe that the church is the only instrument of God's grace to transform our world? Thank you for that overwhelming response. I want to tell you that's the only instrument that God has chosen to change our world. Andy prayed before the service started about three tragedies that happened in Orlando. And how many of you noticed that the vast majority of time has been spent on those three tragedies? And I'm not saying that uh, that I'm opposed to that at all. Here's what happens, though. We get so focused on the tragedies, we don't realize that there are good things happening in our world. That at the very same time those kind of tragedies are taking place, God's saving people. God's healing people. God's delivering people. And so if we're not careful, what we do is... Un- unconsciously developed this almost um, fatalism. But I want to tell you, that's not biblical. Fatalism is not biblical. Jesus came to do what? Save people, deliver people, set people free. And guess what? He's doing it. As we're sitting in this auditorium right now, God's drawing people to himself. He may be doing a heart number on you right now as you're sitting here. Maybe during worship, God spoke deeply to your heart. You know, we sing about this fire that's burning you. Is there a fire burning in you? And the world can see that fire burning in you? Is there a passion in you for the purposes and plans of God? Or, or, or have they gone down? At one time, they were just bursting over in, in flames, but, but it hasn't happened. You know, last night when we were down here praying, how many of you have ever been disappointed with God? I want you to be honest. See, there's a lot of dishonest folks sitting in here because most of us at one time or another, oh, we're not going to say it because we're too spiritual for heaven's sakes to say that we've been disappointed at God. Have you prayed over someone and they didn't get healed and they might have even died and you were disappointed by that? Have you gotten a word from God and you show up at church and, and there's something that you felt like he was going to do and it didn't happen and you went away disappointed? I've, I, that's happened to me several on several occasions. And so what do, we, what do we do? God gives us, he gives us this ability and we're all passionate about it, but then things don't happen, they don't unfold like we do it. In fact, they seem to go backwards. From that word that you got from God. And so we back off. (coughs) I want to ask you who would encourage you to back off? Who would encourage you to back off? The enemy. You know what you do when it doesn't happen like you thought it was going to? You just keep pressing in the big i've i've told you this story before but since it's it's my last Sunday i can tell you again cuz some of you might be like me you forgot anyway i remember one of the biggest disappointments when it came to healing and i've had several but a real disappointment was a time that that we went out to pray for someone and and we, I had a team with me, and, and we, I was just part of the team, and, and we were praying over this person, and they had spinal bifida. And boy, we believed that that person was going to get out of that wheelchair, and they were going to walk. And so we prayed with everything we had. And then when we ran out, we were looking for more because the person hadn't got out of the wheelchair and walked. And you know what that person wanted to do? Get out of that wheelchair and walk didn't happen. (laughs) So I I see that it's not going to happen. It didn't take much discernment. And so I'm thinking now, what are we going to do? I mean, I know this person wanted to get out of the wheelchair. We wanted her to get out of the wheelchair. It didn't happen. So now we got to speak some kind of encouragement over her because it's not the lack of her faith. I mean, some people would say that, but. Uh, you know, you just have to have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed to move mountains. I, th- I think we had at least that much, but it, didn't, it did not happen. And so we encouraged her the best that we could in a pretty discouraging kind of a situation. And I went out and got in my car. And I never will forget this as long as I live. God said to me just as clear as anything, the next, next time I ask you to do that, will you do it? Well, I'm a mess now, you know, tears flowing down my face. Because what am I going to say to him? If I ask you to do that again, will you do it? Well, I can only give him one answer. Yes, I will. Because you're the only one that can heal anyway. And all you're looking for is obedience. And I was as obedient as I knew to be. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep praying for people to get healed till I have my last breath. And I hope you do too. And I hope that you're praying for people to get saved that you may have talked to over and over and over, but they're not saved. And and they're making decisions that just break your heart. And, and but you know what? If it breaks your heart, you know whose else's heart it breaks? It breaks God's heart. And so God keeps working. And so I, I want to just encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't minimize the gift that God has given you. Don't minimize that gift. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. You ever read that and you wonder, really? Did John do any miracles? Not that we know of, right? I mean, are there any recorded in here that you remember? Remember? I look at John Glenn because he would know. So he's a, he translates this thing. So I, I know. It's not in there. Huh? Yeah, I know who he's quoting. <laughs> that wasn't my question, though, John. I know where he's quoting. Yeah, he's quoting Malachi. He is going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah in the sense that you're going to have to stand up. And he's going to say to them, why are you coming out here, you vipers? That takes some guts, you know, you vipers. I mean, they could just wipe him out, saying stuff like that. And so he's going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare people for the coming of the Lord. Yep. Yeah, he's going to pronounce that, isn't he? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. That was his big message, wasn't it? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who were are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Those seven things there. (coughs) What do you think? Zachariah must have thought when the angel got done speaking there. What do you think he thought? (laughs) Are you kidding me? I'm going to raise this boy? And these are the things... You better equip me, God, to do this. How many of your parents, when your first child showed up, you knew how to do it perfectly? I never, I have told you this before, and I'll tell you again. I mean, when we had Chad, Jan, and her mother, her mother had two children already. They're down on the floor on this little tub that we got to wash your kid in with an instruction booklet. How to bathe this child. I guess her mother never bathed her two daughters. I don't know. Poor Andy, when he came along, there was no special tub on the floor. No instruction booklet. I mean, you just put them up there and wash away. Take them to the river. river. (laughs) Yeah. And so Zachariah says to the angel... How can I be sure of this, that all these things are going to unfold? And he says, I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. There's no way we're going to have John. Isn't that the implication? And the angel says, I'm Gabriel. You might have heard of me. I stand in the very presence of God, and it was he who sent me to bring you this good news that you don't believe. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. How many of us would be speechless in here? Because God has spoken some things in our hearts and lives, and we doubted it. Any fellow doubters in here? Oh, and i not going to raise our hand real quick on that one. But I know there's a whole room full of us. And so we'd be speechless. So meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why was it taking him so long? When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized from the gestures and his silence that he must have had a vision in the sanctuary. Pretty in tune, weren't they? They figured... This guy's shaking his head and just making motions. He's not speaking. Something must have happened. Maybe it was a vision from God. And so when Zechariah's week of service is up in the temple, he returns home. And we know the rest of the story, don't we? Elizabeth gets pregnant. But we're going to skip that part because it's Father's Day. So we're going to, we understand fathers are involved in that, but we're going to skip that part. And we're going to jump over to verse 59. When the baby was eight days old, they came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, No, his name is John. Now, where do you think she got that information? From her husband. You know, once in a while, husbands and wives do communicate. Sometimes it's a rare moment, but it does happen, doesn't it? He wrote it out, because she you know what? When she when he got home, I guarantee you. Like most wives, when you get home, husbands, from a meeting or something, what, what are they going to say? What happened? And they don't mean, you know, I, I get home from a meeting and Jan said, what happened? I said, well, we discussed several different things. What things? <laughs> Just things. Normal business kind of things. That's not what she wants to know. She wants know every detail, you know. And husbands, we're not usually in the details, are we? Well, we had a meeting that went good. Oh, well, yeah? Well, tell me about that meeting that went good. What made it good? And those kind of things. And so she's probably wondering okay, John, I mean, Zechariah, what happened to you? So he's writing on this tablet uh, uh, I met Gabriel. You met who? I met Gabriel. What happened? Well, he told me this long story here, these seven things. We're going to have this son. Well, she, she realized that because she's pregnant now, you know, and we're going to name him John. And so she gets that idea, and okay, boy, he, he must have, something must have happened there because he, he talked some. Now he can't talk at all, and now I'm pregnant, and he tells me we're going to name this boy John. And, and so, okay, so when it comes time, she says, what's the boy's name? John. And they go, what? There's no one in your family by that name. So they use gestures to get the father. He says, give me a tablet. And to someone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Now, look at this. He writes on there his name is John. What's that tell you about Zechariah? Well, he's had nine months to think this thing through. And he says, you know what? That angel was right. And so he says his name is John. I wonder, was it it the, the last stroke of the stylus When he wrote that final thing to H there in Hebrew, all of a sudden he could speak. It says instantly, Zechariah could speak. But that wasn't all. What else? Well, before he prophesied, he begins to do something else. What's he going to do? He, yeah, you ever you ever wonder about that song that we sing here? (coughs) I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout, I'm going to sing, and we're all like, well, okay, we're going to sing. The dancing part, that's for the little kids. And the shouting, you know, that, that, that's if something really big happens. I've thought about that a lot of times. Did, have you thought about that when we we're doing that song? Ariana? have you thought about that? Did you want to dance? Or were you dancing? You were dancing. John, were you dancing? which dance (laughs) that one and so he begins to to praise God I mean he's got nine months worth of pent up praises in there and then it says this awe fell on the whole neighborhood and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills and everyone heard about and reflected and said this what will this child turn out to be I wonder Karen what will Luke turn out to be see what will your children turn out to be what will your grandchildren turn out to be Have you ever thought about that? When they've gotten on your last nerve, and you're thinking, well, if they live through this, I don't know what they're going to turn out to be. But it got spread all over the town about this kid. For the hand of the Lord was surely on him in a special way. Now look at Zechariah. I'm going to skip the part there. We're going to jump down to verse 76. Zechariah begins to prophesy because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he talks about Jesus. Then he gets down and he focuses in on his son. He says this, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. I think he heard that somewhere, don't you? And you will tell people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. What was he prophesying? He was prophesying the very things that Gabriel had told him. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break Upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. I want to ask you a question. Beyond this passage, how much do you know about Zechariah? How much do you know about Zechariah beyond this passage? Any takers? What do you know about Zachariah beyond his passage? Go ahead and say it. Nothing. <laughs> That's what you know. This is it. That's all that takes place in the life of Zechariah. But how many of you know that more than that had to take place in the life of Zachariah? Why do I say that? Because it says this: John grew up and became strong in the spirit. Who do you think was going to nurture that in that boy? Zachariah. When I do premarital counseling, I tell him, every single time I talk to the man especially, do you realize that you're going to be the high priest of your family? You're going to be the high priest of your wife. You're going to be the high priest of your children. You're going to be the high priest of your grandchildren. Do you understand that? And they might say, well, yes, I I do. And many times, you know what I know? They don't have a clue. They don't understand that they're called to be the priest of their house. Yes, there can be some priestesses but there's to be a high priest and the wife can never be the high priest it's the husband's responsibility to be the high priest you say well my wife's very godly my wife is too you know what though she expects me to be the high priest of our family That is not her role. And so what does that mean? It means I'm her protector. And I'm my children's protectors. And I'm going to pray over my grandchildren to be their protector because that's the role that I've been given. And it isn't anything to do with male chauvinism. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the position that God has placed us in. And so our kids are going to see God in us. They're going to see God in us, men. What's a godly man look like? What's a godly father look like? What's a godly grandfather look like? And it's not looking for perfection because none of us ever will reach that till we see him face to face. And so we're going to make mistakes. But if their son putty that should teach your kids how to pray, it should be you. If there's somebody that should be reading the Word of God, it should be you. It should be you. If there's somebody going to prayer meeting, it should be you. Now, here's a here's sad thing. Most of the prayer meetings that I go to, you knew who were there? Women. You say, well, yeah, that's because they have prayer meetings in the daytime. Okay, I'll give you that one. But I go to prayer meetings at night. And you know who's usually missing? Men. You say, well, I do all my praying at home. Do you? Do you honestly? Will you be able to stand before God and say, you know, God, I I do my praying at home. So Zachariah was making an impact because he understood when Gabriel said that these seven qualities will be in your son, that he had to do some praying about that. He had to be walking this thing out. He understood that he wanted to continue to be righteous in God's sight, and so he was going to walk in obedience to the commands of God. I want to do this right now. I want every father that's in here to stand up. I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you looking around. And I'm going to pray this prayer over you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that these men, these men right here that are standing, are the high priests of their family. And I pray with your help that each one of these fathers will determine to follow you with all their heart and be an example of a godly man and a godly father. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, let them provide the direction, the guidance, And the protection that their fatherhood and their high priestly position provides for them and their families. Father, help them to be determined to be the kingdom warriors that their families need. Let each of them impart the promises of your kingdom into the lives of their wives and children. May their family members walk in the purposes and destiny that you have for each of them. Let their example of fatherhood be transformational in the lives of those you connect them with. And may their lives create a hunger for others to follow you. Almighty God, be glorified in and through these men, I pray. Amen. You see, men, you have more to impart than you realize. You have daughters and sons that are looking to you for that direction and, and guidance. And I will say this, too. If you're a single mother, God will father your children. He will fill in that gap that's absolutely necessary. Okay, you can be seated. Now, I want to say this as I end up it's very difficult for you to impart what you don't have. Very difficult to impart a hunger for God if you don't have a hunger for God. Very very difficult for you to impart knowledge of Scripture if you don't have any knowledge of Scripture. Very difficult for you to impart a prayer life if you don't have one. And all those things are absolutely essential in your kids' lives. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how old they are. If you start them out young, it'll work out a lot better. But maybe you haven't done that to this point, and so you need to. And I want to tell you something. If you turn to him and have a hunger for that, he will fill in the gaps. He will fill in those gaps that are essential. Now, I'm going to do something else that this challenges me a lot. Uh, So I'm going to call Andy, come up here. I could do this next week, but I'm not going to. And the only reason that I'm going to do this is because I felt like God put this on my heart to do it. That's the only reason. Okay, so that's, I'm just trying to be obedient the best that I know how. All right? So I just want you to just stand right there in front of me. You see, this is my last Sunday as the pastor of Lakeland Vineyard. People go, this is your last Sunday? It's the last Sunday that I'm the pastor of Lakeland Vineyard. It's not my last Sunday, you know. So, in a dream I had, which was very vivid to me, I felt like I was supposed to impart God's blessing on Andy. This is before next week when the transition takes place. You know, if people are coming and they're going to be here. Now, I want to tell you how strongly, I'm, I'm just telling you just so you'll know. In, in the dream, it was very, very strong. this impartation of God's blessing on him as he will take the mantle of leadership for Lakeland Vineyard. And how many of you, you want it to be strong, don't you? Yeah, because it's a big deal. See, he's going to father this church. And some of you are like the descriptions there of John the Baptist. And so he's going to have to nurture that and 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 see that built up and release you into the destiny and the purpose and this fellowship, into the purpose that God has. Because how many of you know God's raised this fellowship up for a reason, not just because He needed another church in town. It's because He has a purpose, and the people that gather here and call this their home, and the things that God's imparting. That so I want you to join me. Just extend your hands out to Andy. And I'm just going to pray, okay? Holy Spirit, come. Come in your power, come in your fullness. Activate those gifts that you've placed in this young man, activate those gifts. For your kingdom purposes, for the welfare of Lakeland Vineyard, for the welfare of this community called Lakeland, for the welfare of that church that you're building called your body, the body of Christ. I want to pray that you stir up, like Paul prayed for Timothy, stir up the gifts that were given. Through the laying on of hands. And and he has several gifts that have been given. And I want to pray you stir those up. I want to pray stir up those dreams and visions that you've placed in his heart. I want to pray you show him. Open his eyes. He's saying that. Open my eyes. That I can see. Because Jesus... You said you only did what the Father was doing because you saw what He was doing. And you only said what He was saying because you heard that voice. And I want to pray that over Andy. He would see where you're moving. He would hear your voice. And He would lead us in that direction. And so come, Holy Spirit, and well up in Andy. Well up in him that everything that you desire would be accomplished. Let it be more powerful than he's ever understood, more real than he's comprehended as he provides leadership for Lakeland Vineyard and for our lives. So that's what I pray. May these moments be defining moments in his lives, in his life. And may the depths of the stirring that you're doing just continue to increase. I want to pray the hunger for you would be insatiable as he determines to follow hard after you as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, and as a friend to many. Let that anointing be evident as he walks in your ways. I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, stand with me. Now what are you supposed to do before you leave here? Pick up those cups. Get one of those cups and give it to a friend or a father that you know, okay? And let me pray. God, you're incredible. And to stop and think that you've called us to participate in your activity that Jesus, you would say to us that we would do what you've done and even greater things. And so help us to long for those things, whatever those things might be. And I want to pray this. Holy Spirit of God, would you continue to pour out on each of us the grace gifts that you want to release in the world that we live in, to make the impact that you desire, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to pray like we've never prayed before. Help us to believe and have faith and take the risk that you desire for us to take to see kingdom elements unfold. Help us to keep seeking and asking and knocking so that your purposes can be accomplished. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, you may be here this morning, and you may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, come on up and, and we'll do our best to introduce you to him. You may be here and you need a healing touch from God. You mean, you really need a healing touch. It may be physical, it may be emotional, it may be spiritual, but you need that. And I'm going to ask you to come up. There will be some prayer teams. Come on up here. Two or three prayer teams. Come on up here. But you need that. You need a fresh touch from God. And so I'm going to encourage you, don't leave here till you get that fresh touch from God because He wants to minister that to you. And so if that's you, you just come on up. All the rest of you, I'm just going to say, God bless you. Have a great week.